0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Iceberg To Go, your daily dose of Pittsburgh Penguins news and analysis. You can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcasts from. Mike Sullivan, this season, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins, has not been hesitant to change things up when it comes to his forward lines and even sometimes his defense pairings. I mean, you look at the way that he's handling the goaltending situation, purely going with the hot hand. I think most people would say that he's changed up some of his philosophies coming into this season. Now still, some of those old philosophies remain, including keeping together the Penguins' top power play unit, despite them being historically bad at points this season. We all remember the 0 for 38 stretch that ran up into middle of December. We then remember them having a pretty good stretch there from December 12th through, I believe, like the 22nd or 23rd. And then they struggled once again. And most recently, they were on an 0 for 14 stretch until they scored at the beginning of the Florida Panthers game and then went 0 for 6 once again. But then something else happened. He finally pulled one of the stars off of the top power play. He finally made a substantial change to the top power play unit. After starting that game 1 for 7 against the Florida Panthers, he pulled the trigger on Evgeny Malkin. And Eric Carlson. That's what surprised me a little bit. A lot of people were calling for a substantial change, meaning one of the big guns to be taken off the power play, because keeping them on seemed like insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Eventually, everybody wanted to see one of those guys gone. You, everybody had their opinion, whether it was, you know, Evgeny Malkin is the problem, take him off there. Eric Carlson is the problem. Take him off there. The problem is actually not the personnel. The problem is Todd Reardon and his system and the way that he's trying to get these guys to score goals. you got to get rid of him. Everybody has their opinion on what the issue is with the Pittsburgh Penguins' power play this season. And the answer is probably a little bit of everything there. But I think we could all agree that Evgeny Malkin and Eric Carlson, they weren't working well together on the top unit. At least not in the way that things were being set up. So we all expected maybe one of them gets taken off and maybe that makes a difference. Well, final power play opportunity of the game against the Florida Panthers. You need to tie that game because it was an emotional game. It was a game where you had copious amounts of opportunities, yet Sergei Bobrovsky stood tall. And even on most of those power play opportunities, you weren't really even testing them. Well, they finally pulled that trigger, Malkin, Carlson, off the top unit, Valtteri Pustinen, and Chris Letang end up taking their places. It's been a small sample size since because... Mike Sullivan decided to go with that once again against the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday. They only got two power play opportunities in that game, but the optics have looked much better since those changes were made. Now, Mike Sullivan, while taking the the two big guns off the top unit, haven't gotten rid of their power play opportunities altogether. The two units have split time evenly in their three chances, the top unit being the Penguins first line of Sidney Crosby, Brian Rust, and Jake Gensel, matched with Valtteri Pustin and and Chris Letang. The second unit being Eric Carlson and Evgeny Malkin at the top. They've also been joined by Ricard Raquel, Jeff Carter, and I'm missing one more. There's somebody else. Lars Eller, I believe, is also out there on the second unit. So they've been splitting those opportunities evenly. They've had three power play chances since that change was made. The first one was 59 seconds to the first unit, a minute and one to the second. The second power play chance was a minute and two to the first unit, 58 to the second. And the third one, Things got switched around. The second unit let off the power play, went out there for 40 seconds, and the first unit came on and finished off the last minute in 20. So while they did take them off the top unit, they're making sure that both units are getting as even as possible playing time through the early stages of this change. But the top unit in particular, going back and watching those three opportunities, what you saw was encouraging, at least in my eyes. They rarely pass the puck back up at the top of the zone. What that means is when you saw... The initial power play before these changes were made, a lot of it was Malkin to Carlson, Carlson back to Malkin, back to Carlson, back to Malkin. No real threat to make those passes down low. No real threat to shoot the puck. What you saw with that top unit in particular is rarely did they pass back to the player they got the puck from. Secondly, they work the puck down low, not just trying to shoot it through shin pads, but taking the puck and getting it down low, trying to pierce the offensive zone, and outside of that, there was also much more movement away from the puck. You saw Crosby come up and play on one of the flanks. You saw Valtteri Pustin play the left flank. You saw uh, also Jake Gensel come up and play that right flank a little bit while Crosby went down low, so there was a lot of movement in these early opportunities for the top unit. The second unit, the one thing that I saw that changed a little bit, even though They did a lot more of that passing back and forth between Malkin and Carlson was a higher emphasis of shooting the puck from the point. They didn't pass it back as many times. They were deciding to shoot a little bit more often, especially from Eric Carlson, who got a couple shots or at least shot attempts on the net in those couple of minutes of power play ice time. So. A lot of changes when it comes to the optics and the numbers, again, albeit a very small sample size. This is three power play opportunities. This is honestly just six minutes of power play ice time. And and like I mentioned, they split it. So for each unit, it was really only three minutes to work from and to take as a sample size. But the numbers matched the eye test. They looked better. Now, they didn't score any goals. They went 0 for 3, including that final chance Against the Florida Panthers, but in those three chances, they had, according to Natural Stat Trick, 21 shot attempts, eight shots on goal, and 11 scoring chances. That works its way out to three and a half shot attempts per minute, 1.3 shots on goal per minute, and 1.8 scoring chances per minute. Now, I know you might be asking, well, how does that compare? Looking back on the previous month, from December 25th. To January 25th, and this takes out the first six opportunities against Florida, but it's the easiest way I could, I could get a sample size here. From December 25th to January 25th, their shot attempts per minute were 1.9. It was 3.5 after the change for those three chances. Their shots on goal per minute was 0.9. It was 1.3 on those three chances. And their scoring chances per minute were a one flat elevated to 1.8 after these chances. Again, Small sample size, but the numbers all increased substantially. This may not be the answer to it all. This may not be the shining moment that you look back on and say, man, the Pittsburgh Penguins have one of the best power plays in the National Hockey League post-All-Star break. This might not be the answer. This might not be the turning point for the Pens, but they finally made that substantial change that everybody has been clamoring for for a very long, very long time. You look at where they're at right now. They're outside of a playoff spot. They made up some ground. They're now in fifth place in the Metropolitan Division, so the optics look a little bit better from that standpoint. But specifically on the power play, they enter their bye week and then the All-Star break as well with the 31st ranked power play in the National Hockey League. They're a stone's throw away From being ranked last in the National Hockey League. They've only scored 20 goals on the man advantage all season. But they still looked a little bit better. There's a little bit of hope with this. Because if they would have kept the same power play, you would have gone into this break. And there would have been no hope. I think there's a little bit of hope here. Now, again, Mike Sullivan... Might come back from the break and say, you know what, we, we liked what we saw there, we think that's an option in the future, but we think that the Pittsburgh Penguins' opportunities, best opportunity would be to have Malkin and Carlson back on the top unit. There's a chance he does that, but I don't think he will. I think he ends up sticking with these combinations at least for a week or two outside of the All-Star break and seeing, hey, is this going to work? Is the, the flash in the pan going to stay a little bit longer? Or is it exactly what that was? Was that just a flash in the pan? You make the change. Everybody's excited. Everybody's getting opportunities. Valtteri Pustin is excited. Chris Letang is getting back on the top power play. He's excited. Was that it? Or is this something that they can build upon and make it into a more positive part of their game? Because it has been the biggest negative for the Pittsburgh Penguins all season long. The question remains to me when does it become more than just splitting the guys and turning it into a 50-50 split in ice time between the first unit and the second unit? Because if the disparity between success remains, this split should not be 50-50. I think when you look at those three opportunities, yes, the second power play unit looked better than the first power play unit has for most of the season, but they still turned the puck over too often. They still didn't create chances At the level that the top unit created chances. You look at what the top unit was able to do in in practically three minutes of ice time. They looked much better. Had much more urgency. And that's the big thing to me. They had much more urgency than we have seen the power play have in a very, very long time. So I would say that's my only quarrel with this change. Is that, understandably, Mike Sullivan has to deal with players' egos. That's the one thing that we don't take into account very much from the outside looking in is that he has to manage egos here. And it's not necessarily a bad thing that some of these guys have a little bit of ego. That's why they got to the point where they're at. But at this point, if they truly want to get back into the playoff race, if they truly want this power play to become an asset for this team instead of a liability like it's been all season long, you can't run two units A minute a piece every single power play opportunity you can't especially when one unit looks vastly better than the other it's the same thing as when you look at an nfl team and you say well if they have two starting quarterbacks do they really even have one if you have two top power play units which is i'm sure the way that mike sullivan is going to try to sell this if you have two top power play units do you really even have one they haven't had one all season long it's probably just going to have to be Pustinan, Latang, Crosby, Rust, and Gensel. They looked good. They didn't score, but they looked very good. And that's more than you can say about this power play in a long, long time. That's going to do it for this episode of Iceberg To Go. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And remember, you can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcast from by simply searching tip of the iceberg we're going to have plenty of content for you all throughout the bye week so keep it locked in whether it's on youtube whether it's anywhere you get your podcast from whether it's on social media as well but that's going to do it for this one we'll see you guys next time